بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في كلامه المجيد وفرقانه الحميد وما أرسلناك إلا رحمة للعالمين وقال تعالى قل يا أيها الناس إني رسول الله إليكم جميعا وقال تعالى إن ناشئة الليل هي أشد وطأ وأقوى مقيلا إن لك في النهار سبحا طويلا واذكر اسم ربك وتبتل إليه تبتيلا وعن عبد الله بن الشريخ شخير رضي الله عنه قال أتيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو يصلي وفي جوفه أزيز كأزيز المرجل من البكاء وفي رواية وفي جوفه أزيز كأزيز الرحى أو كما قال صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has showered us with many bounties, the greatest of which is the bounty of Iman. And we will only truly understand the value of this ni'mah once we leave this world and enter our graves. That is only when a person will realize how great of a ni'mah is the ni'mah of Iman. The most beloved thing in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his deen. And amongst the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most beloved creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his prophets. And from his prophets, the most beloved prophet is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected his most virtuous and beloved creations to propagate the thing that is most beloved and precious to him, and that is his deen. And because the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most precious thing in his eyes, that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he chooses who he wants to give his deen to. Just like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses who he wants to make his most beloved servant by making them a prophet of Allah. Allahu a'lamu haythu yaj'alu risalata, Allahu yastafi man yasha'u min ibadih. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala handpicks his prophets and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala handpicks who he wants to give iman to. That is why we find in a hadith that is mentioned by Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an, and this hadith appears in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, and Ibn Kathir rahimahullah also mentions this in his tafsir. Inna allaha yu'ti dunya li man yuhib wa man la yuhib. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives the dunya, the materialistic bounties to whoever he wants. Li man yuhib wa man la yuhib to those that he loves and to, do, and to those that he does not love. 
So having a lot of wealth and a, and a lot of materialistic bounties does not mean that a person is beloved in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُعْطِي الدِّينَ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَحَبْ فَمَنْ أَعْطَى اللَّهُ الدِّينَ فَقَدْ أَحَبَّهُ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ But indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not grant deen but to that person who he loves. Therefore whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted the deen, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. So it is a token of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us that he has granted us iman and deen and we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. And it is not only sufficient to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala verbally but rather the mashayikh say that shukrun ni'mati isti'amaluha fi khidmati al-mun'im that actual gratitude for any, for any ni'mah is to use it in the service of the being who has given you this ni'mah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to truly appreciate and understand the ni'mah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us alive with iman. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us away from this world with iman. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrect us from our graves on the day of judgment with Iman. Amen. So since the Prophets والسلام, are the most beloved servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a question might arise that when they are the most beloved servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why is it that they went through the most difficulties and trials? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith, إِنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَاءُ فَالْأَمْثَلُ ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلُ أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام Verily, the individuals who go through the most difficulty in this world are the Prophets عليهم الصلاة والسلام than those who are closest to them in piety and than those who are closest to them in piety. وقال إن الرجل لا يبتلى على قدر صلابته في الدين أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says a person is tested and he is afflicted proportionate to his firmness on the deen. The more firm you will be on your deen, the more Allah سبحانه وتعالى will test you. That is why Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani rahmatullah used to say there are three signs of wilaya. There are three signs of a person being a wali of Allah. And the first sign is that continuously one after another a musibah befalls him. He escapes one musibah, another musibah comes. And the second musibah is greater than the first, the third greater than the second, the fourth greater than the third. That is why if we study the biography of Rasulullah there is no possible musibah that we can think of that Rasulullah did not experience. To such an extent that his own wife, his own beloved wife Aisha anha, was accused of indecency, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared her innocence min fawqis samawati sab'a. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ula'ika mubarra'una mimma yaqulun lahum maghfiratun wa rizqun kareem. That is why anyone who denies the bara'a and the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha, according to the scholars, they go out of the fold of Islam because they are denying a fact that is clearly mentioned in the Qur'an.
we also find that Rasulullah daughters were also divorced. When Rasulullah proclaimed prophethood, Abu Lahab told both of his sons to divorce the two daughters that were in their marriage, Ruqayya and Umm Kulthum radiallahu anhum. And Rasulullah sometimes we say that وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ And Rasulullah he never uh, did bad dua against anyone. He never cursed anyone. He never made dua against anyone. So we should not make this claim. Because there are many traditions where we find that Rasulullah did curse many individuals. There are certain individuals who have been cursed by Rasulullah And Rasulullah at the end of the day he was a human being he also experienced the same normal human emotions that everyone faces so that is why Rasulullah he made dua Allahumma sallit alayhi kalban min kilabik oh Allah sent a dog from amongst your dogs to attack him so this was regarding one of the sons of Abu Lahab so he was traveling from uh, Mecca to Sham. And he knew of the curse of Rasulullah And despite not being a believer, he knew that the dua of Rasulullah will definitely fall upon me. That is why he took his bodyguards with him. And then when he stayed at night, he told someone to, 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 to patrol him, to make sure that uh, that, to make sure that no dog comes and attacks me. And what happened, in the middle of the night, a lion came from nowhere and, and, and devoured him. So the dua of the, so Rasulullah did make bad dua against certain individuals. We also learn from uh, the hadith and the incident of uh, Bi'r Ma'una, wherein 70 of the Qurra amongst the Sahaba, Ridwanullahi ta'ala were made shaheed, and they were deceived. So they sent a message to Rasulullah that we need 70 teachers of the Quran because many individuals in our tribe and in the surrounding tribes have accepted Islam. We need some teachers to teach us Quran. So Rasulullah chose 70 of his Sahaba who were experts in reciting the Quran. And as soon as they went, to this area, they were all assassinated and brutally assassinated. Their bodies was, were, were mutilated. Rasulullah for, for an entire month, he made bad dua against, against these people. And it is from this incident that the Sharia of, of Al-Qunutu Nazila is established in our deen. That is why we do the Al-Qunutu Nazila for the people of Syria and for for, 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 for Muslims who are being oppressed throughout the entire world. So it was taken from this hadith of Rasulullah So we learned from this that Rasulullah despite being Habibullah, despite being the most beloved creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he went through many difficulties in his life. Not only difficulties uh, that, per, uh, that, that were uh, with regards to him propagating the deen, but in his own personal life, he went through many difficulties. Let alone the difficulties that he went through in conveying the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Udhitu fillahi ma'lam yu'dha ahadun wa ukhiftu fillahi ma'lam 
يخاف أحد أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said that for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the amount of persecution that I went through no one went through that much amount of persecution and the amount of threats that I got from my enemy no one was given that much amount of threats that is why Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani the second sign of a wali of Allah that he mentions is So for every prophet there was always an enemy amongst the fusaq, amongst the, uh, uh, amongst the wrongdoers, amongst those who violated the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every prophet, behind every prophet there were enemies, behind every cause of good there will be enemies, and behind every service and khidmah of deen, there will be enemies and there will be obstacles and there will be many mawani'a. There is a saying in Arabic, but this pertains to seeking knowledge, but this in general pertains to every, uh, every sphere of deen. لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ آفَةٌ وَلِلْعِلْمِ They say that for everything there is a difficulty, but when it comes to seeking knowledge, there are many obstacles, many trials. Uh, that is why uh, there is a famous story amongst the mashayikh. This is not a hadith or anything like this. This is just for the sake of explanation. Our mashayikh tell us that, uh, you know, shaitan, he dispatches his army in the morning. And then by the time they come back in the afternoon, they have to give kar guzari for what they did. So the, the, the shayateen, they came back in the afternoon. And shaitan, he took kar guzari from them. So what did you do, do today? So one shaitan said, <clears throat> I made someone commit zina. The other person said, I made him steal. The other person said, I caused a divorce between husband and wife. So shaitan, he said, oh, very good, mashallah, very good. The fourth shaitan said that a student of knowledge was going to madrasa. And I whispered in his ears that, what are you doing wasting your life studying all this? And what are you going to do after you, after you become a scholar? How are you going to feed your stomach? How are you going to look after your family? So then the student of knowledge, he started thinking, or he's probably speaking the truth. What, what am I actually going to do if I become a scholar? So he got scared, and he went home. So then Shaitan, he said, you know, oh my, beta, come over here. Shabash, I want to I hug you. Give me a big hug. No? Because shaitan knows that if someone acquires knowledge, he will be guided and he will guide others to the straight path. That is why Rasulullah said, Faqihun wahidun ashaddu ala shaytani min alfi abidin. One person who is well versed in the understanding of deen, who has the understanding of deen, he is more severe on shaitan than a thousand worshippers. A person who has the understanding of deen, not just the knowledge of deen, but the understanding of deen. Uh, my topic actually was uh, regarding Mona Ilyas, so uh, just uh, uh, because I mentioned this hadith and the importance of uh, having the understanding of deen as opposed to just having knowledge of something, there's a difference. So. Uh, Mawlana Ilyas came from a family of piety. 
His lineage goes back to Abu Bakr radiallahu an. That is why we find that Mona Ilyas and his father and the people in his family, they have the same level of ghayra uh, and hamiya. I don't know how to translate this in English. They have the same level of ghayra and hamiya for the deen that Abu Bakr had. So what was the famous statement of Abu Bakr anhu? How is it possible that there can be deficiency in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while I'm alive? So that is why uh, the, the great grandfather, the great maternal grandfather of Mala Ilyas was Mufti Muzaffar Hussein Kandelwi. So he was the he, he was the grandfather of the mother of Mona Ilyas And he was the nephew of Mufti Ilahi Bakhs So who was Mufti Ilahi Bakhs He was one of the great students of Shah Abdul Aziz and one of his great Khulafa. And he was a man of extreme piety and a man of extreme knowledge. So he wrote a book, Banat, Banat Su'ad. In this book, he wrote the commentary of all of the Ash'ar of Ka'ab an, in Arabic and in Farsi and in Urdu. And then he wrote the takmila of the Mathnawi of Mana Jalaluddin Rumi So he was a scholar of a very high caliber, but despite this, he was the epitome of humility. He had tawadu' lillahiyyat. Fanaiyat, self-effacement. He had completely destroyed and annihilated his self-ego to such an extent that despite being in his 60s, he took bay'ah at the hands of the Khalifa, of the young Khalifa of his Shaykh, who was 38 years younger than him. 38 years younger than him. And who was this person? Sayyid Ahmad Shahid who was a great mujahid and da'i. But when he took bayat at him, he was a very young, he was only in his 20s. But Mufti Lahi was in his 60s. So this just shows the level of ikhlas and the level of tawadu' and fana'iyyat that, this, that, that Mufti Lahi had. So Mala Muzaffar Hussein was the nephew of Mufti Ilahi Baksh. And he also was a man of extreme piety and humility. Uh, it's said about him that once he was traveling and uh, he had to stop to pray Luhar Salah. So he stopped at a village and then he went to the masjid, but the masjid was locked. So he asked someone, you know, do you have the keys to the masjid? So they brought the keys to the masjid, he opened it. And he cleaned the masjid, he broomed it and everything. Um, he made wudu, he prayed to Raqqa Tahayat masjid but he wanted to pray Salah with Jama'ah, and he realized that the people in this community do not pray Salah with Jama'ah, because if they had to pray Salah with Jama'ah, the masjid would not have been locked. So what he did is he asked about the leader of this community. Who is the leader of this community? Take me to him. So the leader of this community, he was a very rich person, and he was an alcoholic. And he was a very big womanizer. 
So when Mufti Ilahi Bakhsh, when Mufti Muzaffar Hussain went to his house, this person opened the door. He was drunk and he had many prostitutes in his house. It was, but Mana Muzaffar Hussain did not look down at him. He did not reprimand him because this is the way of the Anbiya. They do not look down on anyone. Because his purpose was how can I bring this person onto the deen? So then he, he, he asked him that, uh, I've heard that you are the leader of this community. And then he started praising him. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give everyone wealth. Wealth is also a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to wealth as khair in the Quran. وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٍ The Quran Allah says that a human being, he has severe love for wealth. Uh, this is in the Quran. That means in our very nature, we all have love for wealth. That is why one of our teachers used to say that if someone tells you that I do not have any love for wealth whatsoever, either he is lying or he is a fool. He's either lying or he's an ahmaq. Because Allah says in the Quran that it's part of the nature of the human being. But yes, a person, he has to make sure that the wealth does not lead him to the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, Rasulullah himself made dua, Allahumma a'inni ala deen bid dunya. O Allah, assist me in my deen through dunya. Ni'mal awnu ala deen ad dunya. Dunya is a great a sister in matters of deen. So he, he started praising him. He told him that Allah SWT has granted you wealth. He gave you status also in the community, which is also a ni'mah from Allah SWT. Because the mashayikh say that the ni'mah of status is greater than the ni'mah of wealth. Because there are many things that you can do with, with, a, with good status in the community that you cannot do even if you have wealth. That is why Imam Ghazali says, that the most difficult spiritual disease to leave a person, even more than hubbul mal is hubbul ja, the love of wanting to be famous and respected and all that. So this is the last thing that leaves the heart of a person. It's very difficult. Yeah? So he told him that Allah has given you wealth, Allah has given you status. Now just imagine a person like you if you start performing salah with jama'ah, if you come with me and perform salah with jama'ah, and your community hears of this, just because of your status in the community, the other people will also start praying salah with jama'ah. And if they start praying salah with jama'ah, so long as salah is being performed, you will get all of the reward. So imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already given you the ni'mah of dunya, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the ni'mah of deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you the leader in, 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 in the, from a dunyawi perspective. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you a leader from a dini perspective. This is how he explained to him. So now this person, he became very happy. He didn't put him down. And then, but then this person said that it uh, has been many years since I prayed salah, probably about 40 years. I, I didn't pray salah for 40 years. So... If you allow me, uh, can I just pray salah without wudu? 
because I'm not in the state of purity. I, I, I have to take a shower, then I have to make wudu by the time I do all of this. I'll be too lazy to perform salah. Now, in the books of Aqidah, it's actually written that if someone prays salah without wudu deliberately, yukhafu alayhi al-kufr. There's fear that uh, he will go out of the fall of Islam because he's deliberately, uh, he's deliberately being disrespectful to one of the injunctions of, uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's doing istighfaf. So istighfaf of the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it leads to kufr. But Manasab told him, there is no problem, you can pray salah without wudu. Because he had the understanding of deen, he had that attafaqquh fi deen. So then Manasab said, okay, I'll wait for you, I'll go to the masjid, I'll be waiting for you. So when this person went back, he thought to himself that for 40 years I have not performed salah, let me just perform my first salah after 40 years with wudu. So what he did, he changed his clothes, he took a shower, he made wudu. And in the meantime, Mawlana Muzaffar Hussain he went to the masjid, he fell into sujood and he was making dua for his hidayah. He was making, oh Allah, give this person tawfiq to pray salah. Give this person tawfiq to pray salah. So when this person entered the masjid, he saw Mawlana Muzaffar Hussain in sujood and he is sobbing and weeping like a baby. And this also affected him. And then his entire life changed and because of him, the, the entire community changed. Now everyone, they started praying Salah with Jama'ah. So, so long as this masjid is established and people are performing Salah with Jama'ah, who will be getting the reward? Mawlana Musaffar Hussain Whereas he was not even from this neighborhood, he was traveling, he just needed a place to pray Salatul Dhuhr. But this was the level of concern of deen that these Akabir and Armashayikh had. Likewise, if we study the biography of Mana Ilyas father, Mana Ismail who himself was a man of extreme piety and extreme humility. He used to always be in the state of dhikr, ibadah, muraqaba, teaching the people Quran and the basics of deen. His entire day was just spent doing this. He had no other, no other occupation. But his level of humility was such that he preferred seclusion and being in the state of oblivion. No one knew who he was. No one knew that he was such a great scholar. No one even knew that he was a scholar. says in hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant who is pious, he is self-sufficient, he doesn't uh, spread his hands and he doesn't beg of people. al khafiya and he stays uh, unknown. No one knows who he is. It's said regarding him that he was so humble that in the Banglawali Masjid, which is known as the Nizamuddin Markaz, it was actually inhabited and he was made abad by Mala Ismail Sabrahmatullah. So he used to go out of the masjid during the time of, uh, of salah. He used to look for people to bring them into the masjid so that they can perform salah. And then, but most of the people who would walk by him, they were like normal workers. And they used to have like heavy loads on their heads. So he used to 
take the heavy load off of their heads. He used to carry it himself. And then he used to see that they were thirsty. He would take them to a well. He would draw out water from the well himself and give them to drink. And then he would tell them that come and pray salah with me. They would say that, no, we have to do our work. If we don't do this work, we won't have any money. So then he would ask them, how much money do you make? He sa- then he said, what if I give you the same amount of money, will you come and perform salah? They said, okay, no problem. This is how he started salah with jama'ah in the Banglawari Masjid. And when he would not find anyone to pray salah with him, he would fall into sujood, making dua for the hidayah of the people in the locality. And then he would individually go to people, giving them da'wah to salah. And many a times, the people would slap him around. Because these people, they were very, they were like, uh, I mean, we all know who, who, who I'm talking about, but I just, I don't like taking names or anything like that. But they were villagers, Bedouins. They had no, they had no etiquette. So sometimes they would spit at him. They would curse at him. They would make fun of him. So in this manner, he revived the sunnah of Rasulullah Because we read in the hadith, when Rasulullah would go out, to invite the people, minhum man darabahu wa minhum man tafalahu wa minhum man sabbahu. So some people would hit him, some people would curse at him, some people would spit at him. So this was the father of Muna Ilyas He had such acceptance because of his humility and his fanaiyat that in his janazah salat, there were so many people that they made salat sul janazah multiple times. I mean, from a fiqhi perspective, someone can ask that, is this permissible or not? But uh, there were so many people attended his janazah that Salatul Janazah was performed multiple times to such an extent that the burial was delayed and there was one buzurg in the, in the, in, 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 in the janazah and he saw that Muna Ilyasa is telling him, that quickly finish the Salatul Janazah and quickly bury me, Mala Ismail Sallallahu is telling him, that quickly bury me because I feel ashamed because the Sallam and the Sahaba are waiting for me. I do not want them to wait for me. So this was the level of wilaya and the, and the maqam that he had in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So this is the, the same level of concern that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala endowed in Mana Ilyas This agony and anxiety that how the entire ummah can be saved from the five Jahannam, the Mashaykh and ulama who saw Mana Ilyas say that if you want to understand the ayah, لَعَلَّكَ بَاخِعُ النَّفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ إِلَّمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ asafa. Then you can see a replica of this in Mana Ilyas that Allah SWT used to console Wasallam that when the people would not accept Iman and he would see the people in a state of disobedience Wasallam, he would fall into an ocean of depression to such an extent that Allah SWT himself had to console him that O Rasulullah take it easy in alayka illa al-balagh we fear that you will die out of depression so this same level of anxiety and agony for the ummah was found in Mala Ilaha that his famous incident is, is probably known by many of us, that sometimes he would be laying on his bed and he would uh, just tossing and turning. 
And then sometimes he would get up from his bed and just walk up and down his room, up and down his room. And his wife would ask him, what's wrong with you? Why don't you go to sleep? So he would say, if you knew the agony that I'm going through, then instead of one, two people would be awake the entire night. So this agony and the anxiety and the concern and the figure for the ummah did not let it did not let him sleep. Mulana Mandur Nurmani says that it is a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah took such a great work and khidmah of deen from Mulana globally and internationally through the effort of da'wah despite his extreme weakness. He was extremely weak. And on top of that, he had a stuttering problem. Mulana Abu Hassan Ali Nadir who used to translate his lectures in Nizamuddin for him because the people couldn't understand what he was saying. He had such severe stuttering problem that, you know, that just in order to say the word Pani, Pani in Urdu is water. It would take him sometimes a half a minute to say the word Pani. And the, 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 the congregation, they would feel sorry for him and they would say we understand what you're trying to say because I mean, those of us who go in Jamaat we know that it's all this, you know, we're just saying the same thing over and over again so they're just so he said that we already know that we already know what you're trying to say please but he had such concern that he was still carry on giving the bayan and then he would say to Mona Abul Hassan al-Nadwi that this person is a very good translator of mine Mawlana Mandur Nu'mani, when he stayed in the company of Mawlana Ilyas his remarks were that because I studied under such a great scholar like Allama Anushah Kashmir who had mastery over all Islamic sciences, after studying under a scholar like this, I was not uh, awe-stricken by the knowledge of any scholar until I went in the khidmah and the service of Mawlana and I realized that this man, he possesses a knowledge that is not in the books. This is all mulham min Allah Ta'ala. So Mawlana one man's concern, ikhlas, istiqama, and firm determination became the means of hidayah for thousands and millions of people and it is continuing to go in his account. It just, just the fikr and concern and the ikhlas and sincerity of one, of, 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 of one individual. The mashayikh used to say regarding that due to his concern for the ummah, he has reached such a level of ruhaniyat and spirituality that he is a thousand and million miles ahead of everyone else. Mona Ilyas used to often quote the, 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 the statement of Allama Abdul Wahab Shi'irani And that statement was that uh, Imam Shi'irani said that if you do one muraqaba, one meditation, so he says that 
how do you change evil and vice and disobedience around you? With your heart, you meditate. You meditate and you, you think to yourself that, oh Allah, all of this vice and sin and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is taking place, I wish I had the ability to get rid of all of this and change it with your obedience. So Imam Shairani used to say that just by doing this one muraqaba, you will reach such a level of ruhaniyat that you will not reach through other forms of ibadah and riyadat and mujahada. So Mona Ilyas, that is why he used to say that the amal of the qalb in, in the effort of da'wah is the greatest action. The amal, the, the act of the qalb. He said that in our effort, we use the heart the most. And then we use our limbs and then we use our tongue. That means we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. And then we make the effort. We make the mujahada. We make the mashaqqa. And then we preach with our tongue. So Mawla Ilyas he had such concern that it is said regarding him that sometimes uh, he was very intense when he would uh, speak about the condition of the Ummah. He was very intense and because he has so much ghayra and so much hamiyah for the deen uh, in, 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 in a state of, uh, of, of wajd he used to say he used to say this famous shi'ar of ghalib bak raha ho me kiya kiya kuch kuch samjhe koi Allah kare I'm not sure how to translate this but he said bak raha ho me kiya kiya kuch so he said that in madness and in craziness, I'm just, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just saying a lot of things. But I wish Allah SWT gives someone the ability to understand what I'm saying. So this was the, uh, was the level of the fikr and concern that Allah SWT and his vision was that the ilaj and the remedy to the weakness of faith amongst the Muslims are two things. First of all, their lack of yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why he used to propagate two things. That whenever you do any action, do it with iman and ihtisab. That means do it with firm conviction and hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me for this. Once the ummah realizes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls everything and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them and they do every action with iman and ihtisab, then there will be some spirit and soul in their actions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put some ruh into the actions. And he used to say, that if we do not do actions with iman and ihtisab, then our ibadat will become like customary practices, will become like a rusumat. It will not have any ruh and spirit in it. 
It will not give any spirituality to the person, nor will it bring about any change. And the second advice you used to give is that you have to have istihdar of qiyamah. You have to envision the qiyamah when you are doing your actions. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of you, as if Jannah and Jahannam is in front of you. Mala Madhun Ramani used to say that Mala Ilyas he had such istihbar of Qiyamah that if Jannah was brought in front of him and Jahannam was brought in front of him, he would not be able to exert himself more for the effort of da'wah than he had already exerted himself. To such an extent that uh, he, uh, that the last advice that he gave to Mona Zakaria on the last day that he passed away was, make sure that you study the hadith of Rasulullah and be very diligent to adhere to every single sunnah of whether minor or major. So this level of ittiba'u sunnah that was found in Mala Ilyas Muta'ali, the Mashaykh say that there were very few individuals who could match Mala Ilyas Muta'ali in his strict adherence to the sunnah of Rasulullah So uh, we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gives us the tawfiq to carry on the fikr and concern of Mala Ilyas Muta'ali which was the actual concern of Rasulullah and which is supposed to be the concern of every single ummati of Rasulullah That is why we find in Islamic history there has been no era that has been devoid of Rijalullah, of men of Allah who have selflessly made khidmah of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who became the means of hidayah for the people of their era. Rasulullah says in a hadith, Inna Allah ta'ala yab'athu ala ra'asi kulli mi'ati sanatin man yujaddidu laha deenaha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely raise at the end of every century, at the end of every century, someone who will revive the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there has been no era in Islamic history wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not raise Rijalullah, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used for the guidance of humanity. And there's another hadith of Rasulullah which comes to mind and I'll just end with this inshallah. يَحْمِلُ هَذَا الْعِلْمَ مِنْ كُلِّ خَلَفٍ عُدُولُهُ يَنْفُونَ عَنْهُ تَحْرِيفَ الْغَالِينَ وَانْتِحَالَ الْمُقْتِلِينَ وَتَعْوِلَ الْجَاهِلِينَ That in every succeeding generation, there will be some upright, pious, selfless individuals who will make the khidmah, who will carry this knowledge of deen and they will refute the, the distortion of the extremists and the fabrication of those who are on falsehood and the misinterpretation of those who are ignorant. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to preserve his deen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves his deen through his men. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives us the opportunity to be amongst these men and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also accepts all of us for the khidmah and for the service of, of his deen with ikhlas and istiqamah. You don't have to be a scholar to become a means of guidance. You know? 
We st- if we study the history of the, uh, 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 of the Sahaba, whichever country they went to, they were, they were proactive. They were not reactive. They were da'i, they were not a madu'u. They were invited toward the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were not invited by the religion of the country that they were living in or their lifestyle. They became a da'i of the lifestyle of Rasulullah Therefore, they were not affected by the lifestyle of the people of the country that they went into. To such an extent that they not only changed the religion of the countries, they also changed their culture and their language even. So that is why if you go to North Africa, countries like Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, if you go that their language, even their language, their language is what? The language of Rasulullah Arabic was not their language. They were not Arabs. Likewise, if we study the history of the awliyaullah and the mashayikh and the sufiyah that went to various parts of the world, they went with the message of deen and so long as they went with the message of deen, they were not affected by the outside environment. So we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gives us the strength to be callers towards the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives us the tawfiq to be proud Muslims and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq not to be a victim of inferiority complex uh, uh, as Muslims living in America. Because we should just remember one verse in the Quran, and inshallah I will end with this ayah. We just remember this one verse in the Quran, and this one verse in the Quran is the remedy to the inferiority complex that we Muslims face. وَلَا وَلَا وَأَنْتُمُ الْأَعْلَوْنَ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Rasulullah was the greatest psychologist. Do not feel inferior. Do not feel sad. Why should you feel sad? You are the most superior individuals on earth if you have Iman in your heart. So any person who has Iman in his heart, he is not inferior. He is great in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every person has potential to be great. Every person has, has the potential to be a, a great friend and wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the door of prophet has, has been closed, but the door of wilaya has not been closed. Because Rasulullah has likened us to mines of gold and silver. Every single one of us has skill. Every single one of us has potential. We just have to tap into that potential and we have to ignite the fire of Iman that every single one of us has. May Allah SWT give us a tawfiq to ignite the fire of Iman that we have and may Allah SWT make us a means to ignite the fire of Iman throughout uh, the entire world, inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillah.